The following podcast is intended only for adults. We will be covering subject matter not appropriate for children. Please use discretion when listening. Hi, welcome back to Vanilla with a Side of Kink, one couple's story of their journey into the land of kink. I'm Renee. I'm here with my husband, Dan. Hello. And we are continuing our story. So in the last episode, we described all of the myriad of kinky events that we attended in January of 2015. So from January to March of 2015, we were in a dominant submissive relationship and we attended 12 events, I think we counted, um, 12 kinky events in January of 2015. And we described all those in detail. <laughs> so today we're going to talk about um, kinky events that Dan went to without me. And um, then we're going to talk about some of the vanilla events that I was attending. So we'll, and we'll kind of explain our philosophies going through our heads at that time. Mm-hmm. So in the last episode, we talked about the fact that I went to um, several rope events separate from Renee. She didn't always want to attend the rope events with me. It wasn't that she didn't want to be with me, but they were conflicting with other events she wanted to do or things like that. Or I was just drained. I'm, I'm, I've, I have yet to meet anyone as introverted as I am. So going to 12 kinky events plus, I don't know, five or six vanilla events plus church I just, I just needed some nights off. So for me, I was all about learning rope. I wanted to be at the rope events. I wanted to meet people who I could do rope with. And Renee liked to do rope, but it wasn't, we were, we were still trying to figure things out as, as a relationship as much as anything else. But she knew I was out tying other people. And we were in an open relationship. Right. We were, we were not in any kind of fixed or set relationship. We were, we were open trying to be poly at the time. And uh, I had an, another uh, another individual who I would go to Orange County with, and we would drive up together, and we'd tie, and then we'd come back home. Um, there wasn't anything anything relationship wise with her. It was just she was a tying partner. She would go and do that. And what was in Orange County? Um, there was a rope uh, a home uh, up there that uh, couple a private residence. private residence that someone opened up their home for people in the area to come and do rope. And it was just, it was a very different event. It, it had lots of, lots of opportunity for us to learn different things as we go through. But uh, I would go up to that event and I met people from the Orange County scene, the LA scene, uh, which was kind of interesting to to meet different people that I had not necessarily gotten to know from the San Diego area. Mm-hmm. And we would, um, so we came, we'd come back from that event and I wouldn't see that person except maybe at another rope event later on in the month. There was always rope events here in San Diego. There were three rope events, I think in the month during, during that time, uh, one up in here in North County and two down in San Diego proper. Okay. And uh, one of those events was on the same night as your the, the favorite your favorite event. event. So yeah. I I wouldn't go with her; she would go by herself. And I would go and at this event or these events, uh, run by two different groups. One group was the group that I started with uh, initially, 
and we would have anywhere from I don't, I don't know five to twenty five people show up on a given night, and uh, one was at an adult store in North County, another one was an adult store in the San Diego area, uh, and basically we I'd go to this event and basically it'd be like going for a dance. Like if you go going to go dance with someone, you kind of call them in advance. You set up, Hey, we're going to dance. We're going to dance the first dance, the second dance or the third dance. Well, in the 1800s. Yes. yes. That's how that works. Um, which is where the phrase dance card dance card came comes from. And so as a top, um, I quickly became known as someone who would die people and I would get people asking me if I would tie them at events and things like that. And I would, of course, at that time, ask people if I could tie them if I saw someone that I was interested in working with. I didn't necessarily understand all the nuance that I really needed to know. No, you didn't. <laughs> no. And I would end up tying two, three people a night. It was a three-hour event. Yeah. And it was it was what was called a rope social, meaning – the, the host of the event would rent a venue, rent a space, and just open it up and charge some type of admission, and people just came in and tied. Right. That's it. There was no classes. There was no there was oversight. No, yeah, no, no education. There was just people free tying. Which, in hindsight, was pretty risky. Um, yeah. Anybody could just walk in the door and show up and say, hey, I'm so-and-so, and but there's, you know, so this is where I learned a lot of lessons about vetting people and making sure that I'm asking the right questions and not being too, I guess, gullible or naive or, um, well, and part of what, so we referenced the dance card. So all of the riggers would, someone didn't coin the term dance card, but applied it to the situation and it was perfect. So the riggers would have dance cards like, Oh, I'm sorry. My dance card is full. Meaning he already had three ties scheduled mm -hmm. for that night. So you did a lot of the negotiation ahead of time, ahead which of time. is what you should do. Um, there wasn't a lot of, of negotiating with someone on the spot. We call that pickup play. Um, as he said, there might be someone there he wanted to work with. And we don't, we don't typically do pickup play. Dan and I personally don't do that too often because we both are good communicators and we probably tend to over communicate. And it, so we wanted to negotiate in advance, but if every once in a while he would do pick up play. Well, at that point in time in my journey, I didn't really understand the risk that I was taking. That's true. And so true. I would tie people, Hey, you want to, you want to just tie? And that didn't always go well. Yeah. Uh, and I didn't have some of the, the responsibilities in the community that I have now. Right. So it wasn't, the, the risk was my reputation as an individual much more than my reputation as an, an event host or a group host or any of the other pieces of the puzzle. Um, and I learned a lot of lessons. I met some really amazing people. Some of those people are still friends with me today. And I, I would, uh, fun. I would show up and have fun. I mean, it really, it, you know, we, it was fun to, even if you weren't tying and you were just watching other people, because this was, this was like the influx. There was like an influx of people that came in right there. I can think of six or seven other tops who are within a year of joining at that point in time who are still active or doing things today. Mm -hmm. And so back then it was only like two or three people that, that people were saying would do rope. And now today, if you look back, that whole cadre that came in with me 
there's a group of us that we all could go out and have create quite a quite an amazing experience today <laughs> compared to what we knew then. Um, and you also were learning, you're growing your skills. Oh yeah, I, it, so I remember this one event. Um, this particular bottom came to me and said that she wanted to be mummified in rope. Now, I thought it would be a fantastic idea to do this. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I can wrap. And I thought, well, if I'm going to do that, I really want to make sure that I do that with rope that's going to cover more area than than usual. Because normally you're tying with, you know, maybe a quarter inch thick rope or, or six millimeter rope. Right. So I went out and I bought five eighths thick nylon rope to create this mummification look. Uh-huh. I did not take into consideration what tying with rope of that weight was going to do to me. <laughs> so it's, believe it or not, it's actually very, very warm in the venue because you've got so many bodies in there mm-hmm. um, that are all, you know, very close. We're not, we're not on top of each other, but we're we're closely packed in Crowded that room. usually, yeah. And I remember putting this rope on this individual and trying to make this trying to make this five eighths inch rope work and getting done and being like, I can't talk. I'm so tired. (laughs) I am so wiped out. Um, Another individual came to me to ask me how to do something that night. And I, and I just looked at him. I said, I can't, I can't even tell you. I'm just totally done uh, having just done this one tie. And uh, cause it was a lot of rope. You, you can imagine trying to put rope on a body all the way up and it and didn't, people, still didn't cover all of it. People don't think about the rope having weight. <laughs> like you're pulling a heavy rope. That's even more exercise. Yeah, I never tied with that five eighths inch rope again, ever. <laughs> How did the mummification tie turn out? Um, she enjoyed it. And in reality, that's what this is all about. For, um, you know, for me is, did my partner enjoy what we did together? Yeah. And I always, Tell people, tell tell the tops that I teach that what this is really about is focusing on your partner. And when you focus on your partner and you deliver that, that you deliver what you negotiated and you get them to feel what it is you wanted to feel. It's great. It, it's amazing. So the, I did five of those events that month. And then there was another event up in, up in Riverside County that I'm up to with someone, a teacher was a, doing a class and I can't remember exactly details of that class specifically, but I felt it was much more of a different style of rope than I do today. Mm. Um, being that there's a Shibari style and a Western style and a fusion style, and it was a different style than I was used to. So it didn't resonate the same with me, mm. but I appreciated the fact that it was, it was still beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. There was still, pa- there were still things that they developed in their pattern. There was still thought process to it. But I've learned I have a specific kind of rope that I really like to do. Yeah. You you know, back then you were just starting out. Mm -hmm. And just to underscore, even though at this point Dan had been tying maybe all of three, four months, people are still coming up to him and asking him to teach them things. Yes. That's kind of crazy. That's how quickly he learns things. And that's how much of a natural instructor he is. So creating all tied up was inevitable. Well, there were things that had to happen. Sure, but, but yeah, it's inevitable. Okay, so that was your January, your kinky events in January. So so for me, um, keep in mind that Dan and I were in this dom-sub relationship, but we were also in an open relationship. Mm-hmm. And so I was still open to meeting other people whom I might have a romantic connection with. 
um, and I was open to meeting people in Kinky World or Vanilla World. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no interest in leaving my vanilla life behind. I really liked my vanilla life. I still do. So um, after my first husband left, I began attending church for the first time in years. Um, my church's philosophy is that there are many paths to God, and they honored virtually all spiritual belief systems. This was exactly the type of church I never knew I had been looking for. Uh, I was raised Catholic. I refer to my parents as Mr. and Mrs. Catholic. And I stopped being Catholic as soon as I could, which was pretty much as a college student not living at home any longer. Uh, I have mentioned that after my husband left, I went through a depression. And attending this church was definitely a lifeline for me. It gave me a reason to leave the house and interact with other people. You know, when you go through a divorce, you you really truly are going through what you go through when you go through grief, when a loved one dies, except you don't get the same type of social and community support. You tell someone that a loved one has died, they immediately offer sympathy and support. Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. How are you doing? What can I do? When people hear you're going through a divorce, you don't get that reaction. You get some version of, oh, well, that's too bad. I'm sure that's tough. But you get the sense that inside they're thinking, I wonder what she did to ruin her marriage. You just, you don't get the same level, same type of of unconditional support. So, So during this January 2015, I attended church every Sunday. And then I also attended a two hour long meditation event on a Wednesday evening in January. I was also a member of several meetup groups. If you remember, that's how Dan and I met. It was at a board game meetup. So I was part of a singles group with Meetup, and I attended um, a singles event at a local dive bar where there was just dancing and drinking. And I also attended, I was part of a girlfriend's group on Meetup, and I they had a New Year's party in January that I attended. And then, and then finally, on January 18th, I think it was a Sunday. Um, I took Dan to Balboa Park, <laughs> which is a large park in San Diego with lots of cool attractions, museums, a science center, and an organ pavilion, just to name a few. And Dan had never been there. I, I'd lived in San Diego for 15 years, but in, but never, in very north of San Diego, like North, north County. I didn't really live in San Diego proper. Never been there. So um, so remember on our, on our pseudo non-date date, we told you that Dan sang whenever we were in the car. Um, he loved that type of music, like just classical and scores and, you know, think music like that. And the Oregon Pavilion there at Balboa Park had free concerts. Um, I think once a week they had them. And so whatever day we went, I had looked up to make sure there was a concert. So it was really important to me that Dan and I do normal vanilla couple activities in addition to the multiple kink events. I was still trying to assess how interested he was in living a vanilla life. Um, and this this Oregon Pavilion concert just hit the mark. He <laughs> loved it. Oh, my goodness. And he had no idea that this thing even existed. Nope. So it was awesome. Um, and then we walked around the park and I kind of pointed out all the different museums and it was just a great vanilla day. It was great. So, um, uh, it was clear to me that he was very interested in living a kinky life, but I didn't know how much of vanilla life he was going to want to have. Well, I knew I, I, I knew from me that, that being in the kingdom 
was important as I was transitioning out of my previous relationship. Right. You had been so vanilla. I'd been so vanilla. I'd been so not able to go do things. I'd been so told what I should and shouldn't do and the control from various individuals. Mm -hmm. So the idea of now having that freedom and not doing that just didn't even resonate. It's like, I'm going to do this <laughs> right. and everybody else be damned in a sense. Right. Um, I have nobody, nobody needs to tell me what to do about this. Right. And but, I I, but I met that. this red hot redhead and I just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, darn you. Well, as I mentioned, I'm a psychotherapist. And so when I met Dan and, and one of the reasons we maintained our open relationship status was just for that reason. I said to him, oh no, 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 no. You need to go explore. You need to go sow some wild oats because he had never had those experiences. I had, I was, I had much more experiences. I was much more sexually active than he was, even though I was in a hundred percent vanilla lifestyle too, but my vanilla lifestyle included parties and sex with strangers and lots of dates and many boyfriends. And, um, so I, I knew he needed to experience that before he was ever going to be able to commit to another to to his next. Vanilla. But I didn't even do that. I was really just tying. You people. were just tying. That was I, your I, that was your substitution for that. I mean, I think about I think about those first eight nine months, and I you know it was I I wasn't having sex with people. I was tying them. Right. No, for sure, absolutely. And you were learning a lot about yourself and sure. about the community and about what you wanted. So, um, so you know, we talked about the continuum of, of vanilla all the way to kinky with a capital K. And by that point, we had met people all over that continuum. Mm -hmm. However, most of our peer group, for lack of a better term, were the dom subs, master slaves who were living the lifestyle 24-7 mainly because those were the leaders of the community. Mm -hmm. And Dan always made it a point to get to know the leaders. So at this point, we were still trying to figure things out, figure out what our relationship, figure out, like I was learning a lot about the types of kink that I liked. Um, and he was continuing to learn more and more about rope. And we'll talk more next time about kind of my experiences in rope and some lessons that we learned there. Yeah. I mean, one of the things, you know, you mentioned the, the board game meetups. We were still going to that. That was an important piece of no, our we, Sundays. No, it wasn't. We weren't. We, we were too busy. I was going to church. We went maybe one more time. I remember going to the board game meetups. Maybe you went without me. Well, that may be true. Because um, you liked playing uh, different types of board games than I yes, did. Yes, the, uh, the mental... The mean uh, ones where you yeah. have to lie, you subterfuge, and things like that. Social deduction games is not mean. Social or, deduction. They mean. are. They are. They Dishonest, allow you to to deceitful. play a persona <laughs> in order to achieve an end. And I was very good at it. Um, so those kinds of things. That there was just a lot of life, and of course, we still had our jobs. Yeah. Um, Still had the dogs, and I had the dogs. You had the dogs. You I didn't were, have the dogs, but he was not a dog dad at that point. Oh, oh, but I had I had spent time with your dogs as you had gone somewhere recently. Yeah, the, that right because this was January, and so that New Year's, you, I went to visit a friend at a state, and I boarded my one dog who liked being boarded, very high energy. And my other dog who hated being boarding and was all he wanted to do was lay <laughs> on the couch all day. 
I left him home and Dan house sat. Yep. I got to I got to stay here while she was out of town. My most important creature in the world to me. Let me let me explain this. Okay, this this dog, I never, never was was the her number one. Or or (laughs) this dog was it. It's like I had I always knew that, and that you know if if it came down to choosing between me and this dog, that dog was going to get all of the attention and everything that dog needed. And I was playing second fiddle, and I knew that. I don't know that he knew that. <laughs> <laughs> he knew that. He, but he was he was smart as a whip and just Genius. amazing. Just and an amazing. And as Dan guy. became a, a bigger part of our life, he fell in love with him too, and totally understood why that was the case. Yeah. So <laughs> my baby, all my sorts, Tyler. all sorts of good things. So we'll 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 leave them with this quote. We'll leave them with this quote. Okay. Yeah. This is, um, so I referenced a couple episodes back a, a book that Stephanie Gorlich had written about kink affirming practice. So it's a book geared to psychotherapists to, um, be able to affirm kink in your, in your psychotherapy practice. And, um, she wrote, research has revealed that individuals and couples participating in BDSM are more open to new experiences, are less neurotic and more extroverted are more securely attached and less sensitive to rejection and self-report a higher feeling of well-being. So I think that's, that's awesome. A lot of positive things to say in one sentence. I mean, I could unpack that that sentence, that whole thing right there. A but little we bit. get it. We relate to that. Yes, we absolutely relate to that. Um, the the less sensitive to rejection. Mm-hmm. That became huge. Well, because as we talked about the in vanilla world, you're judged. So one of the lessons I teach in the getting started class for all tied up is in vanilla world, we are judged all the time, mm-hmm. which everyone agrees with, but they don't tell you that. It's not like a sign posted at the door that says, by entering this building, you're here by being judged. Instead, it's kind of snarky and sneaky and, and mean spirited. Like we talked about last time was, you know, someone will like say to you, Oh, your blouse is so pretty. And then turn behind your back and go, do you believe she was wearing that? So the contrast is in kinky world. You are being judged all the time, Mm -hmm. but we tell you that we don't have signs hanging up, but we could, because we are very proud of the fact that we are judging you all the time. The difference is we're not judging you to be mean spirited. We're not judging you to make ourselves feel better, which is downward social comparison is what it's called in psychology, which is usually a main reason why people judge. Um, We are judging you just to discern if you're the type of person that I might want to do kinky play with, Mm -hmm. that I might want to be friends with. I might want to get to know better. So the things that you're judged for negatively in vanilla world, like your looks or your weight or how you talk or how tall you are, those things don't matter in kinky world. They don't matter as far as your participation and your acceptance. They don't matter in terms of being judged. All bodies are beautiful. All bodies are beautiful. What you're judged on is your behavior, how you're acting. What kind of person are you? That's what's important. And I think that's a fantastic lesson that Vanilla World can learn from Kinky World. I think so. So, yes, a lot to unpack in that sentence. But the short story is there's a lot of benefits to, mm-hmm. to Kinky World. There's a lot that people had no would have no idea that this is a benefit that they could experience. 
body positivity, self-confidence, all sorts of things that I've, I've watched people who came to our, I, I can think of people that are in the community today, active, vibrant people in the community today who came to first events and they sat in the corner, like, what do I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and couldn't even ask somebody to tie with them. Couldn't even ask somebody to do it. And now they're like sought after. They're like, pursued because their behavior was such that they showed they were going to stick around and and be patient and get to know everybody and get to know the community one thing we mentioned last time that i just want to go back on because we didn't um fully explain it was i talked last time about the etiquette and new events and how um you don't ask people what they do and i referenced because people this is an alternative lifestyle community Um, What I meant to add to that was that Dan and I have heard dozens of stories over the years of people who lost their jobs because it was found out that they were in this alternative lifestyle, this kinky lifestyle. So that is why people are very protective of their identities, because obviously no one wants to lose a job. Um, I will tell you, however, that the majority of those stories that when that happened where someone was outed, it was intentional by someone who they used to consider a friend. So um, I'm not sure what that says. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's obviously shitty behavior to have that happen. And, you know, what somebody does on their own time and their own not, not hurting anybody else shouldn't be anybody else's business. Right. Um, and if you have a breakup in kinky world, it's really shitty for one person to turn in the other one to their employer. And that's just, that's just unconscionable. Yeah, or other things. So breakups that, is that, hard. You know, we think our community is great. We think our vanilla life is great, but but all communities have issues. All communities yes. have have bad people. So, all right. So next time we're going to talk about February 2015, <laughs> which comes with several. Oh yes, good stories. Oh yes. So including. My first tie with someone other than Dan, Ooh. including my first play party. Uh huh. So, oh, that, that is that is a story unto itself. That may be a podcast a unto itself. <laughs> that may be a whole episode unto itself. <laughs> it your is. first play party. It is, and this. So yeah, this will be somewhere in the next upcoming episodes. I don't know how long it'll. Each story will take to tell, but you know, because the other question might be, you know. Whether we whether we jump into your origin story a little more at some point. Yeah, here. yeah, we've touched on it here and there. They've been paying attention. They've heard some things. Yeah, we might want to give them a little deeper look. All look right, well, the there's curtain. your teasers for next episode. <laughs> so thank you for listening. Tell your friends. Leave us a five star review. It's really helpful. Yep, hit that subscribe button. Until next time, thanks for being here with us. Take care. Bye.